Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. Y'all know what time it is. It is time for In Much Less Detail, the podcast on a crazy, crazy evening already. Here with you live on a Thursday night, December the 21st, 2017. I'm Dre, and my co-host Jay is definitely going to be on somewhere down the line because he's been trying to get on and I've been trying to get on and both of us have been failing at trying to get on the air. Now what I wound up having to do was call into the show as the host on the phone, which I haven't done since the old, old days of the show. You'd need a special pin number and everything to be able to do that. Luckily, I was able to remember to do that after a couple of minutes of us trying to get on the air the regular way through the uh, the computer line. Now, Jason's the only one that was going to be able to get on through the computer line anyway tonight because I have no internet. I have absolutely no way of getting onto the show through the internet. My modem is disconnected. Something happened weather-wise here where I am in beautiful suburban Memphis, Tennessee, and we lost our cable and our internet last night and have not got it back yet and will not be able to get it back until tomorrow morning, uh, which is going to be another crazy day for me personally because on my birthday, I have to be here and wait for the cable guy to get here to fix that and then get ready to fly to Chicago tomorrow evening. So uh, an action-packed day tomorrow. Got a full live two hours here tonight with you people before we even do that. Uh, There's Jay uh, calling in on the phone now. And I was able to punch him up through the web browser on my phone. Jason, this is going to be a special show, a special night, no matter what happens from here. Yeah, I don't know if we've ever had it like this before, that we haven't been able to even run the board from our own studio. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm on the phone. I'm on, I'm on the uh, web browser on my phone. I've never tried to run the board from my phone before. Uh, using the the 4G internet, but I, I can't do it from the computer because, as you know, and as I explained already, I have no internet on the computer. So that's just not a that's a non-starter. That's not going to happen at all tonight. But uh, I don't know what happened as far as both of us trying to call in and get on the air through the the host line. I tried it on my phone. You tried it on your computer. It wasn't letting us connect, no matter what we did. So that's a that must be a blog talk radio problem. So. Uh, a very, very interesting start to our show. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what else to say. Hey, what happened? Uh-huh, yeah. yeah there's that perfect drop again, but we don't uh, – I still haven't put it in. And even if I did, we can't access the board. Can you access the board now that the show has started? Can you can you do that? Yes. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on okay. the studio. I'm just not connected – through the, the through the computer line, it's very strange. So I've got all the sounds and everything here, so we're okay there. So 
So what happened was there's a way to connect as the host through the phone, which I had to do the first two years of the show. And luckily, I remembered how to do that. You need a special PIN number to do that. I think you can see it on uh, the board I because can't. you're logged in. So I, I was able to I, sort of sneak yeah, in that way. I and, and I won't give it out here on the radio. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, but yeah, but otherwise we were we were never going to get on because there was no host on because neither one of us could connect through the computer. So that's that's why I had yeah. to do that. It just it's just it's just uh, every week we have had a new experience. Yeah. Um, trying to get this show, but we will not be denied. We we will always find a way. And here we are. We. We will, and and I will now see if the board is actually something I can do over on my phone because I can see I can now finally scroll down and see the drops. So let's see if I push the button on my phone, will it actually play the sounds? Come after me! I'm a man. I'm forty. Well, that's tomorrow. I'll be a I'll be a man. I'll be forty two. So I'll be really I'll I'll really be a man. Uh, how about that? I, I, we can you can do the board on the phone. We've discovered that so far tonight, so that's good. You can I guess you can log in through the phone if it'll let you, uh, and you can also run the board through the phone. So I, I, I guess I got full space command here on my phone as well. So this is this is incredible. I I'd never I didn't I had no idea we were going to be going through this much uh, trials and tribulations trying to do our show tonight, but here we are. I, I didn't yeah, know you were well, going to make it at first. I wasn't even certain I was going to make it onto the show because I ended up getting hung up at work late. Then I had to drive home in, in snow, and it was still snowing while I was driving home. So I ended up actually getting settled down here with everything ready to go at, at 9.47. So 13 minutes before the show started, I was ready for the show. Glad I made all my picks already. Yeah. Uh I, I made mine using what little connection I could get on my phone, so it's it's definitely been different for me as well. But uh, you know what? I need a change. As bad as my picks have been lately, I, I need a switch up. I need something different, so this is good. I got to say, either you just really love drama or, or this thing's getting tight. You are within seven games of me after the huge, huge lead I had, the 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 epic collapse of the century may be in full effect. It may be happening right now as we speak, and I may not be bright enough to realize it. But uh, you you've uh, you've made your run uh, to get to respectability at 460 on the season, and I've made my uh, complete fall. I'm now under 500 for the season, incredibly at 493. So uh, it's it looks like unless I make another run to try to rebury you in the next uh, couple of weeks. It looks like the playoffs are actually going to be interesting. They're actually going to be something to play for. More interesting than we were thinking. I mean, it was never, it was never at the point that after like the first few weeks, most of the season, it's just been one of those like, wow, I'm really spotting you a, a massive lead going into the playoffs. Whereas right now, I think I'd only be spotting you somewhere around that, six to seven points range, which I know you're not comfortable with. Uh, no, I uh, I was much more comfortable when I was leading you by 50 or 60 uh, percentage points or more than that, uh, actually, earlier in the year. I was much more comfortable yeah. with that. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with this going this way. I'm actually 
uh, proud of the week that I had. It's probably the best that I had against you all year. So I'm, I guess I'm saving my best for last. Uh, going what six, six one and two. I guess was the breakdown of our nine games that we uh, differentiated on. The two yeah, pushes, the two pushes, just absolutely crushing ways that you had to take those two pushes. I get those to me felt like losses for you because you didn't get to keep a win over me. So at that point, the push actually helped me. I think a lot more than uh, than normally a push would. Yes, the Patriots uh, looking like they were about to lose to the Steelers for all for all the world looked like they were going to lose that game, and I still don't know that last sequence. I still don't know what happened there, and the Patriots not only wind up winning but keeping a hold of their cover, or uh, uh, winds up being a push, a three point game, and they won by three. <laughs> then Sunday night comes, and the Raiders and Derek Carr are looking for all the world like they're going to beat the Dallas Cowboys and, and win that game straight up, and oh, he just let the ball slip out of his hands at the last second through the back of the end zone. And Dallas holds on for the win and the push there as well. I uh, that's the those that's a one-two punch that I haven't seen in a in quite a long time. Uh, very newsworthy finishes to games for different reasons. But uh, where where to begin? What do you make of all what happened last weekend? Well, if there's one place that I'm starting. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Yeah, you you deserve it. We have to start, of yeah. course, with the lock off or the lockdown or the, the you know whatever we wanted to call it from last week. One of the first times in our history where we both had our lock of the week each other in the same game. Uh, you don't see that very often because usually you don't have two people that feel that strongly in a game where you both love the other. You know, we differ on our locks all the time, but we really differed on this one where I had San Francisco and and the Messiah, Jimmy Garoppolo, to cover the one-and-a-half points against your Titans on the road um, in San Francisco there. And wouldn't you know, the Titans take the lead, and then Garoppolo leads one of these just – shreds the defense, this completely Swiss cheese defense that the Titans were playing at the end of that game, covering absolutely nothing over the middle. And Garoppolo is just ripping off chunks. And then Robbie Gold, who has become Jimmy Garoppolo's best friend with all the fields, so he kicked five against the Bears. He kicked six against the Titans to give them a two-point win in our lockoff. It, it couldn't have been more interesting. I'm texting you at the end of that, you know. And <laughs> yeah, no, it couldn't have been more perfect. The legend continues. I, told, I said in the last show he was going to make a believer out of you, and well, 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 we there yet? I'm I'm still speechless. I don't even know how to respond to that. I could not get the text quick enough. I, my thumbs would not move fast enough after the Titans scored uh, to take the lead uh, on their own uh, long field goal. And I'm 
trying I'm trying to talk some kind of crap to you on text and I couldn't even get the text out before Garoppolo had already made it back down the field on Titans territory so blindingly fast that it was like what what the what is this what what is what is going on I what a game what a what a game what a very brief 49ers career uh what a what a meteoric rise by Jimmy Garoppolo, and he's got me calling him by his real name now. I can't even call him Janine Garoppolo anymore. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that. Was, you want to talk about a crushing defeat? The fact that that field goal to win the game couldn't have—they couldn't have won by one point with that field goal. They had to win it by two, being one and a half point favorites. They just had to win it by two. That—that that was just so precious and so perfect. It's almost like you scripted it. Are you? Uh, is this is this the XFL? Is this scripted? Are you writing scripts for football now, Jason? Are you are you hiding something from us? I absolutely am not. I just I believe in in the power, not only in the way that you know I've sort of like played it into this into this sort of like joke that we have in the show now, but also that I said that as soon as he started that they were going to go on this run here to end the season to make themselves like the, you know, let's kick this into oh overdrive, the amount of hype that the 49ers are going to have going into next season. And damn it, he's doing it. It's already started. That hype has already started. Oh, yeah. I'm already sick of it. The 49ers are in the Super Bowl next year. Uh, Bill Belichick <laughs> yeah. uh, purposely went out of his way to, to screw over the Patriots by trading Jimmy Garoppolo because he's mad at, about Tom Brady's <laughs> personal guru. I, I, I'm hearing it all already. <laughs> Conspiracy theories are out in force. So it um, didn't take much. It only took three Jimmy Garoppolo wins. Now, granted, this one, the most impressive one thus far, beating an eight-win team, but I don't think either one of us are firm believers in the Tennessee Titans. I was sort of rooting for them to play better than they, they had, and I was always – calling for them to sort of gel as an offense and get better as the season went on, which is not happening. I try to admit when I'm wrong, it's hard to do because I hate being wrong, but I'm dead wrong about the Titans. They are not getting better as the year goes on. They're getting worse. They're not running as well as they used to, and they're not stopping people on defense as well as they have been. And, I don't know what's going on with them right now, but yeah, you've been calling them the least impressive eight win team for a couple of weeks now. And here they are from eight and whatever to eight and six and, and spiraling downward quickly. Uh, they are yet, yet they are still the closest thing to a real team that Jimmy Garoppolo has defeated. But when we looked at his schedule though, we know that, you know, we noticed what, what was happening, the sort of stairway to hell or stairway to heaven how much harder each game got as the season went on. And if he could keep overcoming and keep overcoming, that's uh, another uh, piece of the puzzle of why we thought the hype machine would just break uh, if he were able to win all of those games. And so he steps up to the, to the Tennessee challenge and beats them. And you see what's on the, the schedule next, right? So yeah, I made, the, I had to make my pick. I mean, this is, yeah, it doesn't get any easier. Right. The, the, the Jaguars next. And, and Jacksonville has been, over the last month, the most impressive team in the AFC. 
it's hard to argue. Uh, What's in the last month? I'm sure, Patri- sure Patriots Nation would disagree with that. I would I would actually say that if you take the last four games, last four weeks or so, three, four weeks, that the, the Jaguars have played at a higher level wholly than, than either the, the, the Patriots or the Steelers or any of these other teams in the AFC. They have looked like the best team in the AFC for, for, for in this stretch. Janine's next challenge, and then if he conquers that, it's the Rams in the in the season finale. So it just gets harder and harder and harder. But he, he did it again. He, he, he and Robbie Gould, what a great decision by Chicago to get rid of Robbie Gould because it's not like Chicago has problems with place kickers or anything. Um, but, boy, I uh, – Robbie Gold the bum. He's only got 11 field goals in the last two weeks. Uh, so the the lock-off challenge, the, I think the first ever lock-off challenge between us absolutely goes your way. And in a in a fashion in which I, I think I wish that the Niners would have beat the Titans 49 to nothing over what happened because oh. that was just jaw-droppingly, excruciatingly painful to see them come back to come back for you, you can't give it to you can't give the credit to anything else but Jimmy Garoppolo led the team all the way down the field and put them in field goal range and you, you give Robbie Gold the credit for hitting the kick but the way he led them down the field I get the feeling that if they needed a touchdown and not a field goal he would have went in and, and went into the end zone and beat them that way anyway whatever the Niners needed to win that game Jimmy Garoppolo was going to give to him because that's just how he's playing right now. I guess I'm joining into the hype machine now. You you said you'd make a believer out of me. I guess I'm turning into a believer. I'm, I'm converting. That, that, that's what you're supposed to do. You're, you're drinking the Kool-Aid. And we just get to uh, find out this week if it, this is Jonestown or not. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that was uh, that was a thing. Those I want to say other two – I was going to say, going back to the last show, the other thing I wanted to – if, if there was anything I pulled out of the last show in you making your picks was your – the most other the other most definitive statement that you made of the week on the show last week, other than that you had the Titans as your absolute lock, was that, that, that Eli Manning in no way in hell was throwing for 360 <laughs> yards. And you were right. You were That's absolutely right. right. You threw for 434 yards. Is that 360? Hell no. Come on. I told you. <laughs> I'll, give you full, I'll give you full credit. No way he went for 360. He went for 434. He had one more great game in him somewhere, I, I guess. I'm, I'm sure Ben McAdoo was sitting at home going, oh, now? Now? You want to oh, – now? Okay. All right. I see what's going on. Fuck you, Eli. So, yeah, so there was that. No, I noticed that this week that this was the, you know, I always I always complain. I have to give you credit. I always complain about how you always seem to come up on the right side of these of these small spreads, and you always come up on the right side of the close number. I think I got you on every single one this week. So I think I got back a little measure of revenge for what you've been doing to me for the last few years. Yeah, it was, uh, it was quite the week. Uh... Like I said, those two finishes in uh, yeah. Pittsburgh and in Oakland were just – those weren't even wins for you, but like you said, it felt like wins for you because of how, in my favor, they were seemingly headed inches away. In uh, in Oakland's case, inches away from the goal line, 
carrying it over, and in Pittsburgh's case, inches away from a touchdown in the end zone, if not for the slightest little bobble and sleight of hand and uh, where you can't even really see the ball hit the grass when it's ruled incomplete because it was moving, and I just uh, – uh, what is a catch? Uh, we we ask this every week, and I'm still wondering, what, what is a catch? Well, you know, that Pittsburgh-New England game, everybody's trying to throw all the blame around. Roethlisberger, it, it was the refs, it was Jesse James trying to lunge instead of just falling into the end zone. So if you would have just tucked the body in and fallen into the end zone, you probably still would have scored a touchdown. Do you know who I blame? And I guess you blame the Steelers' defense. Like Mike Mitchell. <laughs> oh, jeez. Because <laughs> now we just have to blame Mike Mitchell for everything. Uh, yeah, I heard he, he makes bad plays in, in bad moments. Yes. <laughs> bad moments in Steelers I heard history. that somewhere. Bad moments in Steelers history would have been the day that Mike, that Mike Mitchell was uh, – was drafted, and if you need any proof of that, just go back and listen to our last show. <laughs> Don't do that to people. Oh, come on, you're, you're you're in for a treat. Oh, uh, a treat is one way to describe it. Um, yeah, Mike Mitchell <laughs> and everyone and everyone else on the Steelers defense uh, could not do anything with Rob Gronkowski. He had his way, and <laughs> if they put a stop to him, then they win the game, even without the the bobble and the drop. Yeah, no, that that felt like a game very, very Patriots-like. I thought that the Steelers for three and a half quarters, maybe even more than three and a half quarters, were the vastly superior team. I thought that the Steelers looked ready. They were playing a great game. And then when you could see the panic in the Steelers in that last sequence, you know, after they did not get the touchdown, I don't think they knew what to do, and it was stunning to watch a team fall apart like that. And once again, we watch a Steelers game or a game that the Steelers are involved in where you just end up sitting there with that sort of light feeling in your stomach. <laughs> they do this to us a lot. Uh, yeah, they're good at it. But I really, even though I picked the Patriots, I told you on the last show we made the pick, I wanted, the, I wanted you to win that one. I was picking the Patriots with my head. My heart was telling me that I don't want the Patriots to have home field. I, I'm done with them. They look terrible. And there they were again, making the big play at the end of the game or, or, the, or the Steelers crapping it away, whichever angle you want to take. If you look at that fake spike play with Roethlisberger trying to throw that ball, you never throw that ball. There were three dudes waiting there. Yeah, when he threw that, and he had pressure in his face. And then, if you look at that play, because we've only seen it like a hundred times, the other two receivers just stood there, like they didn't even know what was happening. The other two receivers literally did not move off their spot and give him a look at all. So that was just Roethlisberger doing the little fake spike thing, trying to find Rogers on on that slant. And we all know how good those slant patterns do against the Patriots down by the goal line. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know what Roethlisberger was trying to do. I guess he was trying to improvise and win the game and be the hero himself. But yeah, somewhere you would think football instinct would kick in after the, the first read 
of Eli Rogers is covered and he keeps going across the end zone and the second read is covered and the third read is covered and, and yeah. the, you're, you're reading the same guy. The same guy is getting the first, second, and third option because, as you said, the other two guys just stood there because they didn't know what the hell was going on. And uh, you think after about the third read where the guy's still covered, you want to airmail that thing out of bounds and, and survive to, to kick the field goal and go to overtime. Yeah. And see what happens from there. But no, no, Ben just knew he was going to win this game by forcing it in there and, and getting it past those many, many defenders that are standing there just looking at him. But yeah, that was, that was a mental breakdown. I was a, a, a brain fart by, by Ben Roethlisberger. There's no doubt about that. And he deserves the criticism he's getting for that. But, uh, God, there's so many ways that the that the Steelers wound up losing a game that they should have won and the Patriots win a game that they should have lost. And it, this, this just seems to happen. This is, this is what the Patriots do and this is what the Steelers do. They, they both played their roles, so to speak. And now if that rematch happens, it's going to be up in Foxborough and, and the Steelers have given up their home field advantage uh, claim to, to that rematch. And, oh, by the way, may not have their best receiver back for that game either because he got hurt during this game, Antonio Brown. So uh, a, a much overlooked part of the Steelers' collapse is Antonio Brown not being out there because so many of those plays that the Steelers could have used Antonio Brown, uh, particularly that last one. Uh, and give all credit to Juju Smith-Schuster for the amazing play that he made to get them in that situation. However, the next play is is uh, Darius Hayward Bay staying in bounds for some reason, which sets up all of this panic. Because if he just gets out of bounds with the catch that he makes, then we don't go through the we don't have a fake spike because they're not scrambling up there trying to run a play. They 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 should have never had that play where, where Darius Hayward catches that ball inbounds. And you got to think of Antonio Brown's on the field. He knows where to get to, to, to make that catch and get out of bounds at the right time. Yeah. And once again, so, you know, we talked about that and yeah, that absolutely goes totally different if Antonio Brown is out there. Um, the whole sequence could be different for all we know. I mean, we might not have even had the plays that they had to get down there because they didn't have Brown as that option. So everything changed when he went out of the game. But the Jesse James play, again, I don't care how many times I see that, that's a touchdown. Every time I see that, I see a touchdown. But my brain is telling me, well, wait a minute, the hand kind of rolls over on the ball a little bit, even though you never actually see, I don't think from any angle, the ball physically, you infer that the ball may have touched the ground, but it was never out of his control. That was a catch. I'm sorry. You got robbed. That was 100% completely a catch as far as I saw it. Every time I've seen it since. You're the one that benefits completely from that being called incomplete. And even you yeah. say that you think that should should not have been called incomplete. No, it was a catch. I've seen I, so many. I, I've seen so many of these plays that have been called over, you know, that have been overturned or they've called incomplete where I would have called them catches. When we talked about the the one that went against me uh, in that Jets game with offenses Ferry and Jenkins um, clearly had control of the ball all the way, tumbled out of the end zone, and then the ball kind of shifts around on his chest when he lands out of bounds after making an absolute circus catch, feet in bounds, and does everything right. But because he falls on the ground, it impacts the ground, and the ball shifts around in his hands and moves around on his chest a little bit. That's incomplete. 
There's no, there's no difference. That was a catch. Hashtag what is a catch? And and I want to be fair about it. I see the fact that Jesse James' hands come off the ball. I saw the, I see the bobble. I see the fact that he doesn't complete the process of the catch by going right. to the ground with the ball loose. My problem is I don't see the clear evidence that the ball hit the grass. I don't see the evidence that makes you overturn the original call on the field, which is a touchdown. And I thought with all of these replays that you're supposed to only overturn the original call on the field if there is clear, incontrovertible evidence of the call on the field being wrong. I didn't see clear, incontrovertible evidence. I picked the Steelers. I was rooting for the Steelers. So maybe I'm blind in that respect. If anyone wants to, I don't know, send me a screenshot of the ball with the grass, hitting the grass or something like that, go ahead and email the show or something. I don't, but I didn't see it. I never in all those replays saw incontrovertible evidence that the ball hit the ground. So that that's my complaint about it. Yeah, and then I, hey, have, at least a whole, I have a problem. I just have a problem with the whole going to the ground thing because, first of all, who cares you if think? the ball popped out? a little bit or anything, you know, two feet in play, you're making a football move, who cares if you're going to the hole? The thing they need to get rid of is the whole going to the ground rule because somebody who dives into the ground with a football and doesn't have the ball move around a little bit is human. <laughs> so because of slow motion and instant replay, the expectations that they're putting on these guys are, are almost – insane. You can't do that and hold on to a football a lot of the percentage of the time. I mean, a big percentage of the time. If you're holding on to a football wearing pads and and gloves and and all this stuff and you're diving to the ground and you impact the ground, you're telling me the football is not going to move at all? It seems uh, seems counterintuitive about the yeah, about breaking the plane and and having to maintain possession is something that you only are are charged with doing if you're catching the ball. If you're running the ball, you can just break the plane and there's no problem. That does seem uh, something that needs to to change. And I don't know if they're going to get in the the room and change it, the the competition committee over the offseason or not, but it does seem like something. Of course, this goes all the way back to the Calvin Johnson rule where he's putting the ball on the ground after he's already caught it and went to the ground and he's trying to get up to celebrate and he, and he winds up sort of fumbling it or whatever. Uh, it does seem like something needs to change. If you catch the ball and break the plane, uh, you should be able to have it called a touchdown. It would, that would seem to be the common sense rule. And it would also seem to be something where you, even if you don't change the rule, by by words like that, you should have sort of a maybe a, a hashtag point of emphasis maybe next year where you tell the referees, hey, use common sense. If it's a touchdown, let it stay a touchdown. All this little minute trying to see if the ball maybe kind of moved and all that, let's, let's cut that out. If the guy clearly caught a touchdown pass, let him keep his touchdown pass and don't take it away just because the ball moved a half a centimeter or something. Because that was ridiculous. The the Zach Miller touchdown in New Orleans for Chicago where he gets his knee busted into 7 million pieces and they take the touchdown away because he put the ball down to tend to his busted up knee after he caught the ball. That was also ridiculous. 
uh, man's career probably ended on the field right there, and you're busy trying to see if he completed the process of the catch because he had to put the ball down after he already caught the ball because his knee got shattered. You got to put something in now to have the referees use their brains and just give the guys the touchdowns who actually earned the touchdowns instead of trying to find a reason to take them away. Self struggling with here is that my my kids now are starting to become old enough that if I'm sitting around and I got to actually watch a, a whole day, God bless my wife, I got to watch a whole day of football on Sunday, and I couldn't tell you the last time I actually watched a whole day's worth of football. I, you know, I I just can't remember since I had kids. The last time I just got to watch the the noon game, the afternoon game, and then and then the night game, and actually just get to watch football. And, Thankfully, I picked a good weekend to watch football because I was doing good on my picks and there were some good games. And my kids periodically would come in and I'm trying to think about how am I going to like start teaching my kids about football? How am I going to explain garbage like that to my <laughs> kids? Well, you see, you see, son, he didn't complete <laughs> the process of the catch in going to the uh-huh. ground. Oh, come on. If you can't explain it to a kid, what? It doesn't make sense at all forget. Like I can explain baseball to my kid. Think about trying to explain football to a five-year-old with these rules. How convoluted they've made everything now. Well, son, he didn't get credit for the touchdown because after he caught the ball and got his knee blown up. He laid the ball next to him so that he could tend to his knee, and they said that that wasn't completing the process. Huh? Okay, Daddy, I'm going to go play with my toys. Right. Yeah, I think this is turning off people to football. It's turning us off. Not necessarily that we're going to stop watching football, but it just keeps leaving such a bad taste in your mouth. And if you've got fringe fans – we were just going to get – the people are just going to get sick of it. And especially if it starts – you know, if somebody gets robbed of a title or it costs somebody something, you're going to have a lot of people – you know, imagine Raiders fans. Raiders fans are probably still mad about the tuck rule, which was right. garbage. It's, gar- it's still garbage. Yeah. Greg Beaker calls the fumble, in my mind. I watched the game, and I still think Greg Beaker calls the fumble to win that game. Absolutely. Uh, and I don't disagree with you at all. And and, and and we just keep seeing these instances of these rules where you feel like the rules are being made up as they go along. Name another sport where you get that feeling. Like, they just make shit up out of nowhere. Name another sport in which they break out an index card to try to determine what's supposed to. What the fuck was that? What are you doing? Everywhere Gene Steratore goes from this point forward, he needs to have index cards flung at his head because that was absolute bullshit. There's no reason to. to, to, What he couldn't. That's WWE theatrics. Is all that is. (laughs) He couldn't tell if the ball, you know, was over the. Over the thing, so if he slipped an index card in there, if it moved, see, if it moved, I guess that means it would have been a first down if, if he couldn't squeeze that in there. I, I have no idea. How many years has he walked around with an index card in his back pocket waiting to pull that shit? <laughs> Must be in the rules somewhere. Don't you remember when they used to like bend the stick a little so you could see it? 
They used to move, you know, they, oh. they moved and they pick, pick on the ground kind of at a spot and see, you know. Come on. That's, that's when we were kids is, is when this happened because they, they, they haven't been doing that uh, lately, anything like that. Yeah, they used to. Or they'd grab the football and, and they'd, they'd, like, rotate the nose down towards the ground. I used to see them do that. that. I've seen them do all sorts of things, but I've never seen anybody pull out an index card and try to slide it. Have you ever seen them break out a prop? No. No, I was waiting for the. I was waiting for them to go underneath the field for the ladders and the chairs. It's ridiculous. I've never seen anything like that. Can you imagine in basketball or baseball they break out a prop to try to figure out like what I don't even know what the equivalent could possibly be like you do you take out a tape measure at a ball game to measure if something was fair or foul well if it passed past the the foul pole by this much if you can slip this tape measure in there then that means it must have been foul but if it graves the foul pole and, and yeah. therefore it, it it graves the tape measure then it's a fair I don't I don't even know where you would even find a reason to pull out a prop in any other sport, but that's just, that's just theatrics and, and it, it, there's no place for it. And I, I, I don't understand it at all. It, yeah. The Raiders are still sitting there steamed about the tuck rule. And then you, they get a referee yanking a, a index card out of his uh, uh, uniform. And I, you know, I didn't see that play. I, 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 I tapped out on that night and, and turned in and I did not see, uh, the second half of that Raiders Cowboys game, so I didn't see it what actually happened. But I, I kept reading uh, my my tweets the next morning. I kept reading something about an index card, and I was like, okay, this is a thing because I don't I don't know what happened, but I keep seeing references to index cards. So I got to go and read and figure out what. I, and I was like, oh my god, he did what? He did what? He broke out it. Okay, so it's it's a new level of ridiculousness now, and with with these officials. Uh, like I said, Gene Steratore just needs to be ridiculed the rest of his life for that because that's just ridiculous. Family members need to get him boxes of index cards for Christmas. Just all sorts of fun things. Just when officiating could not get any stranger. <laughs> just up little kids as NFL officials and just have them, you know, go door to door on uh, Halloween with, you know, trick or treat written on an index card. See if anybody gets that. They have to fold it up and measure the candy that they receive to see if it's uh, far enough distance apart. I, you got, I don't know. We keep seeing more and more strange things. You know, you have the ball fumbled out of the end zone. The only place on the field where any ball gets, you can't fumble the ball forward at all. The ball just goes back to where the guy fumbled it. But if you fumble it around the end zone, Field IBM, you make yeah, the call. Okay. I think. You know. Oh, well, we had it again. You make the call, and the answer is always touchback. Touch the answer was always a touchback. Didn't matter what happened, the answer was always a touchback. And there it was again. The touchback. Oakland Raiders let the NFL slip through their fingers, and now they're headed off to Vegas or wherever, just like Derek Carr let the game slip through his fingers and out of the back of the end zone, and the result is always. Is a touchback. The answer to all your questions is touchback. Yeah. Um, Mike Mitchell for everything. It's always a touchback. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, you uh, so you watch all day. You watch football all day. So the the day started, I assume, for you with, of course, 
the great the, the return of the great Aaron Rodgers and the Packers uh, going to yep. Carolina and trying to save their season, and it didn't quite go the way they wanted it to go. No, which we were all both all over. Uh, we, narrative be damned. Uh, we saw that going pretty much the way it looked like. Aaron Rodgers looked rusty. He was underthrowing everything. He he yeah. he just had nothing on. He had no zip to any of his his passes. He still had arm strength, but it just it just didn't have that extra little oomph that you needed to get it over an NFL defensive back. And three times he ended up coming short. Then Carolina caught the ball, and that was your ball game. And yet still, Rodgers had the Packers driving with a chance to tie the game um, until Geronimo Allison got stripped real quick. Once again, though, it was clear. Two feet (laughs) possession, Hmm. and then he got stripped. Oh, hey, how about that? Two feet making a move towards going up the field. Oh, I guess that is a catch. It's good enough to create a fumble, but it's not good enough to be a touchdown. Oh, it drives me nuts. Yeah, that was a catch, apparently. I, I, I don't know. But, no, you're absolutely right. Aaron Rodgers could not get enough on the ball. It's uh, someone coming back from uh, a collarbone injury in the, on his throwing shoulder and also being rusty in general from whatever he was coming back from, having not played NFL football in so long. Uh, yeah, we, we both saw that coming. It was a terrible defense to try to make a comeback against because the Panthers are very, very formidable, especially at home. And uh, yeah, just could not get it done. So now shut down again, back on IR. Uh, my questioning of whether it was the right call to bring Aaron Rodgers back, I guess I, after after further review, after thinking about it more, I, I can't blame Mike McCarthy for doing that. If you don't bring him back and you send Brett Hundley out there to get destroyed, uh, everyone's going to look at you and go, why is the Hall of Famer not in there? Why is this kid in there? So, yeah, I guess there was only one move that you could possibly make. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, and I was I was on board with that 100%, that Rodgers needed to be the guy. The game, within reason, close enough for, for what his talent level is, he just had a bad game being rusty coming back. I don't think that that game was as close with Brett Hundley. I, I just don't. Because there was still some of those Rodgers plays where he was where he would dance around, he'd make things happen. He, he was fighting his receivers. You felt some rhythm to that offense. It just wasn't the, the sort of Novocaine offense that they were running the last few weeks with Hundley, what I was making fun of with these like ridiculously long, you know, 15-play drives. Rodgers had some of the Rodgers magic, but he also had the rust of a guy who hadn't played in a while and who broke his collarbone and couldn't put enough oomph on his, enough oomph on his throws. You got everything all in yeah. the game. You got the good and the bad, right? but you always have to go with the good. The, the good could be so much better, Rodgers, than it could ever be with Hundley at these stages of their careers. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, there's the dichotomy right there for you that there's plays that Rodgers made that Hundley could never make in his, in the, in, in, on his best day. And there's also the soul-crushing plays that lost the game for them ultimately that Rodgers made that Hundley may have made, may not have made. But that's why that's the equation is right, is that what Rodgers could bring, the good that he could bring, far outweighs the, the, the bad that he could bring because – 
Hundley's good can't measure up to, to Rogers good. And uh, yeah, I, I think everyone knew that and everyone recognized that. And, and I was a little late to the party. I've been late to the party a lot lately. So that's just kind of my, my <laughs> thing, I guess. It's okay. At least you're at the party. I'm there. I'm looking around and, and I don't know what's going on, but I'm there. Just thank God. You should be thanking every night, looking up to the Lord Jesus above and, and Jimmy Garoppolo right beside him and saying, dear God, I am so glad I got out to that huge lead because where would you be right now without that first three, four-week stretch to start the season? Oh, hell, let's do the gory math now and figure that out. After week three, for for, for any new listeners, after week three, I was 32-12-3. and three on the season for a 727 percentage. And so that's 20 games over 500. So now I am 104, 107, and 13. That's three games under 500. I've lost 23 games more than I've won in the past uh, 13 weeks. Um, It's been tough. It's absolutely been a struggle. I, I don't have an answer for it. I've been bad. I, I I can't say it any other way. I've been bad at picking. I will try to be better at picking uh, because I do a show where I pick games and I need to be better at it. Um, so that, that's that's all I can do. And, and the big lead that I'm threatening to lose to Jason, well, at the end of week three, Jason was 20, 24, and three uh, for a 455 percentage. So you basically held held on and held serve because now you're at 460 so you've you've gained what five one hundredths of a point in in that same time span and i've lost 250 points in that same time span so just just by holding serve and watching me float back down to the bottom there you you've uh you're you're hanging in there and you're right there ready to pounce and and ready to maybe put me away in the playoffs if, if we get close enough here that's my goal like I said, when you ran out to that big lead, I told you all year, you're going to come back. It's just natural. You're feeling good. But I knew, now obviously I'd be, I'd feel a lot better if I was, you know, sniffing 500. But I'm getting closer. and It's it's not likely that I will get all the way back to 500. But I'll, I'll take these, you know, small steps that I'm taking. But if you keep giving me back five games every week, this is going to go for, <laughs> going, going, going to get ugly pretty quick. Oh, you'd love that. Yeah. And this is, and honestly, we are going into the last week of the year where you have any semblance of what you're doing because next week is week 17. No idea. We all know, you have, nobody has any idea. No idea. So this is the last chance we get to, to make sane picks because next week all bets are off. We're flipping a coin. That's how crazy week 17 is, folks. We are flipping a coin because we've – how long have we been doing that? It's been a decade now of uh, flipping a coin at week ah. 17 because <laughs> how random it can be. It goes back to uh, – boy, I would say maybe even longer than that. Um well, it goes back to the pile of loose chains sitting on my computer desk when you were living with me. So how long ago was that? Well, that was 2008, but we were doing it before that, I'm pretty sure. We were? 
Yeah. We've been doing it a long time. With- so 2008 was just when the official dime came into play? Well, 2008 was just the year that, that I actually got to play. Oh, okay. That you're, well, <laughs> like yeah, we- napkin. So we had the pile of chains. There were two staples at your place. Pile of chains. <laughs> And Napkin Mountain. People, that's not as dog as it sounds. Napkin Mountain was just the sort of pile <laughs> of the sort of pile of takeout napkins that had accumulated on one of your uh, end tables in your living room. Yeah, so clean get, napkins. It's not any. I don't know what you know, dirty you could have possibly been thinking, but yeah, just unused napkins from takeout places that instead of throwing them away because I'm black and I don't throw anything away, I just kept on the uh, on the table and, and it, they just piled up. They just accumulated and it turned into napkin mountain. So that, that's all that was. Yeah. Even at its own time. No, we weren't having any draft parties or anything. That's, that's not why we needed the napkin. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you can't get enough of that call, man. That's, oh, as I disgusting as it show. was, and you keep calling back to it. Oh. I listened to that show this morning, driving to work. <laughs> One of those moments, I, I was talking, I was actually talking to my mom about it. My mom listened to it, so that's even better. Um, <laughs> and also, it's funny because when I looked at the statistics, that show, it must have been with the Steelers-Patriots thing, we actually had a lot of listens on that show. So yeah. If, if anybody new got introduced to our, so, into our show, that's what they got. Not only did they get that, we got a lot of listeners to the show in a week that you just completely blew it on your picks, which was right ironic for how good you were to start. So there's a lot of people who got an introduction to our show, you know, they got the good call. We got Bryce from Brooklyn. We always appreciate when you go, I don't even want to know what state of mind he's in right now. Um, oh. <laughs> you know, it's wellness check time again. And then we got that, yeah, call, you know. which was that, that like we always we equated it to the the score overnights or the White Sox post game shows that we grew up with out in Chicago. Um, so you know, it was sort of like I said, we've ascended now into that realm where now we actually get on our show. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I guess that's what like the sports pope Mike Francesca has to put up with. I'm sure. Uh, his his screener, his call screeners probably get guys like that all the time, and they're they're able to sniff them out. We don't have any screeners; our our budget is is zero. So uh, whoever calls in, we pretty much dial them up and and let them go, um, and they can do what they want to do. So I'm thinking those listens are probably that guy who obviously has no life or, or no ambition in life, uh, and, and all those friends uh, probably listening to that over and over again thinking how clever they were and wow we really got them (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe probably all that is but yeah you uh you're 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 sturdier than i am listening to that again i can't i don't want to listen to that ever again i I don't have any desire to listen to that i also it's just hilarious because the call made no sense the guy, you know, it's like I'm going to call up the sports talk show and about our, our safety. Like, oh, oh, okay, yeah. it's not like this was Chris Conti he was calling up about, you know. Chris Camp. Hey, look at that! We get called by his right name. Worth of picks here. This is going to be this is be a big show tonight. That's right. Uh, the only other thing uh, that I felt 
needed to be discussed from uh, week 15 was uh, the, the little brother rose up, and you had this one as well. The, the L.A. Rams went to Seattle and just wiped the floor with them. They were chasing Russell Wilson around like he was Obama at a Klan rally, and I don't know why Seattle didn't see that coming and then try to do something about it, but they were just taking him down every every way he turned. They were all over him. And I don't even think that was the, the biggest story. I think the big story was how Seattle let Todd Gurley run all over them because the Seattle defense, we, we know about the Legion of Room getting worse and worse, giving up the pass, but at least they had some, some sturdiness against the run still. And Todd Gurley just opened up a can of whoop-ass on them. And Earl Thomas was, I guess, mad at Bobby Wagner for coming in and, and playing at less than 100% and trying to do something about it. And he was ineffective. And that just sort of continues the tradition of the, the Seahawks being less than professional when they get beat. That's that's just sort of their thing. That's what they do. But uh, that Rams win, that's at Seattle, too. That was just, to me, that was about the most shocking thing that happened in a weekend of shocking events. I didn't expect that. I, I thought the Rams would go in there and compete and get a win. I thought they were ready. And you know, you you know what we always use the, the the little brother, big brother analogy. But you know what happens when the little brother finally is able to beat the big brother? He takes out everything. And that's what oh, that yeah. looked like. To, that's what that looked like to me. They weren't gonna let up. They were gonna beat the, the Seahawks, and they were gonna let them know. And it was every facet of the game. I mean, we we didn't even you know the one thing you look at statistically, Todd Gurley had a good game. But overall, the Rams didn't have a ton of well, – where's all the offense coming from? The Seahawks could not cover on special teams that whole game. I mean, it right. seemed like every time, every time there was a punt or a kick, that ball seemed like it was going to midfield or better. And the Rams were in plus territory for that, like, that entire game because they had everything working. That was offense, defense, special teams. They took the bully or the big brother or whatever you want to call it, and they, they put them down. I don't know uh, if that's a Seattle. I don't. I know Seattle's still playoff relevant, but I don't know if I want to see Seattle in the playoffs. They're this bad. They have a lot of work to do to even make it. Uh, that's one of the bigger games of the weekend coming up. Is uh, they have to. Uh, they, they and the Cowboys will battle for for playoff relevancy because basically whoever loses that is going to be completely out of it. Yeah, and you still got all these. You know, we got these three teams with the Lions, the Cowboys, and the Seahawks sort of on the outside looking in where, you know, Atlanta wins one out of their last two games and makes almost all three of those teams irrelevant. Yep, so there's there's scenarios in play. There's there's balls in play here. And uh, a lot of things going on as week 16 approaches this coming weekend. So uh, you ready to get into our picks? Sure, man. Give ourselves—we actually give ourselves some time tonight because usually we take that first uh, fifteen, twenty minutes of the of the pick show to talk about the Thursday night game and some of the recap stuff. So yeah, we actually got a little breathing room tonight, and we'll still find a way to do six picks in ninety seconds. <laughs> of course. Oh, here I'll, I'll suck some of the air out of the room by getting in the plugs before we get into uh, our picks. Uh, email the show, send that to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. Send all of your 
uh, doctored picks of, of the, the ball hitting the grass that Jesse James caught that he didn't catch that was ruled incomplete, but it looked like he caught it, but they overturned it. But I don't know how they could possibly have overturned that. So send all your conspiracy theories there uh, or get at me directly on Twitter at IMLDDre or get at Jason at IMLDJTG. Uh, our picks being up on the blog is going to be a problem because if you missed the beginning of the show, I have no internet. I'm doing the show on the phone. I'm doing the board over the phone. Uh, everything is on my phone right now on the 4G connection because I have no internet whatsoever uh, on my computer. So those picks are going to be saved on my computer and they'll go up whenever I get an internet connection, which may not be until Saturday morning when I get into Chicago. Uh, but they will be up on our blog somewhere before the games start on Saturday. And the blog site is in much less detail.blogspot.com. And of course, you're listening live here on blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail to listen to the show as a podcast uh, or to go back and listen to any of our old shows. Uh, every show we've ever done, all the technical difficulties, everything, we've, we've never canceled a show, we've never erased a show, we've never erased a minute uh, of anything. Uh, some dead air may have been erased over the years, but that's not something that we do. We're not technically sound enough to do that. So everything we do is live to tape or live to digital medium, however you want to call it. Uh, you can go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, any number of different podcasting apps. You can find our show there. Just search for In Much Less Detail, the podcast, and hit the subscribe button. And if you do that, every show that we do after it's over will be upload it directly to you, even if it includes a phone call or two that are disgusting and don't ever need to be talked about again. Uh, once again, we never had the uh, time to connect and figure out what we wanted to do as far as highlight games go. Um, but once again, they're probably pretty obvious, so we can just uh, sort of wing it once again. Um I think the earliest one coming up that we probably would want to take a look at would be the uh, the, the Falcons Saints game uh, at, at noon on Sunday. Seems like an obvious one. Okay. All right, we will start off there. Yeah, got everything working on the phone. I, I, I've never done this on the phone, so this is pretty exciting for me. I, I, I'm. My phone is more capable of, uh, of of things than I thought it was, I suppose. Uh, the Falcons and the Saints, uh, as I said, are going to be playing a big game on Sunday at uh, noon Central Time down in New Orleans. The Falcons and the Panthers and the Saints are all still hanging around each other in the NFC South race. The Saints have poked their heads ahead at 10-4, and four, uh, tied with the Panthers, and the Falcons are at 9-5, and five, still hanging back there by a game, but stranger things have happened if the Falcons can rally up and win their next two and, and the uh, Saints and Panthers fall by the wayside, Atlanta can still win the division. Uh, New Orleans, of course, would like to shut Atlanta out of that race and leave them back in the uh, in the wild card discussion. So the two heated rivals will get together. Uh, they Played each other two weeks ago in Atlanta. The Falcons had to rally back from 17-10 down in the fourth quarter to win that game 20-17. to uh, For this one, the Falcons at 9-5, and 5-2 and on the road. The Saints uh, at 10-4, and 6-1 and at home. The public thinks uh, 
the Saints are going to once again come out on top because I, I thought they might get a bit of a cop-out line, but Atlanta not getting the respect. They are six-point underdogs at the Saints. Jason, who you got? Yeah, well, this is an obvious one. Not locked territory for me here, but I'm going to definitely take those points. Six points feels like a lot. This is a heated rivalry. If you go back and you look at the history of these teams, uh, other than Atlanta, who put a few blowouts on them last year and, and in these periods where the Saints have had some pretty awful defenses, um, it's been easier for that Atlanta offense to, to put up some bigger numbers and, and, and make this rivalry look a little lopsided. Most of the time, that first game they played looks exactly like what you get from the Falcons and Saints, a field goal game. I don't know that the Falcons are necessarily going to win, but if they're going to get up, they're going to look right. We talk about least impressive certain number of win teams, and I had to think for a minute about the Falcons, who have won five times this season, five wins there, 5-0, and oh, where the other team possessed the ball with a chance to win the game late. And I don't know if I have ever seen a team with that kind of luck, but they could easily be four, you know, four wins less. They could be five and nine right now, but not for, you know, stopping the Lions at the goal line, the Bears at the goal line, the, the Saints on a pick in the end zone at the end of the game, and then two missed 50-plus yard field goals. I don't know how a team survives that kind of luck, but here they are. They're winning. I mean, you know, Hello. You play to win the game, and that's what they're doing. So it's really hard to knock them because, like you say, team that's out there in front of you. As far as this game goes, Atlanta should be mostly at full strength. The defense is is really doing a lot of this bend, don't break. They still don't turn other teams over, but they seem to get a turnover every once in a while when they really need one like they did down in Atlanta when they beat the Saints, getting Deion Jones to make that acrobatic pickoff in the end zone of Drew Brees. I have a really hard time seeing this as anything other than a back and forth. Probably higher scoring than the last one. I don't know if 2017 seems a little tight. Um, but I think the Saints' defense is starting to show some cracks. Um, they've had some trouble putting teams away. They didn't cover what we thought was an obvious cover for them in a big spot last week. I think all in all, tough rivalry game. Atlanta's and both teams are really playing for something here. But if Atlanta's ever going to get it done, this is where they got to do it. They win this one. They're in the playoffs. They win next week. They win the division. Saints win, and they're pretty much a lock. Um, but I think Atlanta keeps it close. I'm really torn, though, on who I think is going to win. But I don't have to worry about that. We're picking the spread. That's right. Just hoping for Atlanta to, to cover the spread. They don't have to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. Well, in our case, you play to make the money, and you play to, to figure out who's going to cover the spread. So that's Jason's uh, pick going with Atlanta with the money plus six points. I wanted to go with Atlanta. They can, they can still get to division, like I said. But, boy, that is a – that's a tough ask to me to go to the Superdome to try to survive, to keep your division hopes alive and not just cover the spread, but win the game. Like you said, they don't have to win the game for you to win the pick. 
But as you've also said before in the past, so many more teams cover the spread uh, when they win the game. There's a very big number that I'm sure the professional gamblers have in their head already what the percentage is of teams that cover the spread when they win the game. So to ask Atlanta to go down there and win that game uh, is very tough. I don't think they're going to be able to do that because it looked like their offense had sort of rebounded and gotten back to what they were doing last year a little bit. And that's sort of fallen off. Uh, I don't know what Steve Sarkeesian was putting together uh, with the help of Matt Ryan, but they were uh, getting a little alchemy going and, and things were looking like they were getting back to uh, the dominance that they were doing last year. Julio Jones was looking like a monster once again, and that sort of quieted down uh, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so to say that Atlanta is going to go down and cover the spread but not win the game, uh, it, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. I'm certainly not locking it up the other way either. Uh, but I'm going to go with New Orleans to cover the six. Uh, I just don't think Atlanta's up to this particular challenge. It's going to be a, a, a very fierce game because these two teams playing don't like each other. Uh, but I think in the end, New Orleans is playing better football than Atlanta again right now. Uh, I thought they were playing earlier in the year better football than Atlanta, and I thought Atlanta had come back to sort of put their best foot forward and, and say, hey, we're still here, we're still the NFC champions, and we're still going to be very uh, formidable. And, and they are formidable, but I just have a feeling in, in, in this particular spot that Drew Brees and the Saints are going to be ready to uh, sort of dominate this game and, and send a message to the Falcons. Hey, we're the, the, the top dogs now. We got the, uh, the, the duo in the backfield of, of Kamara and Ingram, two running backs on the same team making a Pro Bowl. What an accomplishment. That is uh, a testament to how uh, incredible both guys have been this year. That running tandem, as far as single-season running tandems, that, that's one of the best we've ever seen right there. And nobody saw that coming at the beginning of the year, but they have absolutely been dominant. And then Drew Brees is still making the throws when he needs to. It's amazing that every time they need him to come through, oh, yeah, we still got Drew Brees. He's still averaging 8.1 yards to throw this season. Uh, he's still – they might not be the number one passing offense in the league this year like they have been the last two years, uh, but it's okay because they're still fourth. That's still not bad. Um, I got the Saints in this one uh, to win the game and cover the six. All right, so already right off the bat, we get to disagree. Yep. Uh, we we might disagree on what we would go to next as a highlight game because again, we we never talked about it. So, did, did you have a preference? I don't. I was you know making the picks and then getting stuck. My work schedule tonight left me kind of, you know, a little less prepared than usual because I usually take a rundown on the games. But no, I, I strictly made my picks and then sort of put that off to the side because I was at work and and took care of the rest of my day and then did not did not expect to get home, you know, ten minutes before the show. And then have connection problems. So I didn't really get a chance yeah. to look at anything. Um other than trying to get connected to the show. I restarted my computer and all sorts of fun stuff. So if there's a if there's an obvious jump off the page compelling matchup to you that's left here, let's go for it. Well, before we do that, I have to uh, look at the the soundboard that I'm scrolling through on my phone, and I and I see that you did actually add something to the board this week. I didn't realize that you had hey, added it. Hey, what happened? Yeah, it's actually, about time. We, we... 
I played that earlier in the show. You must have thought that was just me saying it. I did. I totally thought you were doing that. I, I did not. Uh, I didn't realize that was a drop. I'm, oh. I'm on a phone. I'm on earplugs yeah. on a phone. My, my hearing of the show is not as good as it could possibly be. Yeah, no, yeah. We we said we deserved to have that one on the show, so I made sure I went and found it. Yeah, that's great. It's funny because I added a new drop as well uh, this week uh, because I'm looking at uh, how close the Steelers had came to winning that game with uh, Jesse James having the touchdown catch right there, but by the slightest sleight of hand that he fumbles and it's ruled incomplete, and I saw. Derek Carr trying to run and and come as close as you could possibly come to getting in the end zone and winning that game, but he just barely lets the ball slip out of his hand and go around the pylon and out out of bounds through the pylon. And that rule, by the way, is uh, as many people as talking about that rule getting changed as well about the punishment of losing a, a fumble out of bounds and giving it to the opposition at the at the twenty yard line when you lose a fumble anywhere else on the field you get the ball back at that spot, uh, but through the end zone is, is such a huge punishment. Uh, I don't that, – that's a really radical change to, to make that rule uh, because that's been around for so long, but I don't know. So many people are talking about that. I have a feeling that might get changed in the near future as well. Well, you think about it, it doesn't come up very often, but it is a bit of a silly rule. You know, the, the change, the most – interesting change that I heard to the rule was that, you know, one, you fumble and it just goes back to where you fumbled. The other one was it gets fumbled out of the end zone. The other team gets the ball, but they get the ball where it was fumbled. Ah, so if you were at the one and you fumble it out of the end zone, they get it at the one. (laughs) Correct. I I don't know if I dislike that rule. I, I, I think I might actually like that. I don't know if I can really come up with an argument against that particular rule change. Right. Cause so we may see that someday. You know, so, so you still get the defense credit that they strip a guy that close to the end zone and they make, come up and make a play. Now, obviously, with Derek Carr, nobody made a play. <laughs> Derek nope, Carr just lost it. Almost as close to throwing the ball out of the end zone as you can get. <laughs> Stretching the ball out to the goal line, and oops, I forgot to hold on to the ball as I'm stretching it out to the goal line. But much like with Jesse James, he didn't need to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He, but he was he, he was caught up in the moment. He was trying to make a play. He was trying to win the game for his team. He was trying to be the hero. Yeah, and both guys were trying to be the hero, lunging the ball to the goal line, and both were failed in the most miserable way you can. And for that, I had to come up with uh, the newest drop that I put in because both guys coming so close to, and, and coming away empty, I had to go back to Willy Wonka. It just reminded me of that particular drop there. So you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. It just fit perfectly. You, you get absolutely nothing for all of that. So sorry, guys. I like that. You even throw in the you get nothing, you lose. Yeah, because they lost. The the one compelling game that's a highlight that I kind of wanted to to look at. Are, are we? Uh, are you over the 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 Rams embargo? Would you like to to give one more highlight game to the Rams? I know you were sick of them and and kicked them off the show for one week, but 
But uh, if you want to, because this game at the Titans is is quite compelling to me for a couple of different reasons. Well, and it's ironic because we said we weren't going to highlight the Rams last week, but we got stuck on the Seattle Rams pick when your computer died. <laughs> we, still, we still ended up filling all the time with that Seattle LA pick, but technically it was not a highlight game. Um, and I, I said the Rams deserved this. The Rams have 100% completely deserved all of the attention that they have gotten. Plus, the schedule that they've been on this last five weeks is just this murderer's row schedule that they just keep working their way through and, and rising to these challenges. Even when they lose, they're still rising up and playing close games and, and, and making it interesting. So, yeah, we, we've got teams going in opposite directions, uh, L.A. and Tennessee, but it absolutely it, it's definitely one of the more interesting matchups. So I, I got no problem if you want to give it a little bit. All right, yeah, uh, absolutely different directions, like you said. Uh, the Rams at ten and four, the Titans at eight and six. The Titans just spiraling off the face of the earth, and the Rams riding high off of uh, obliterating the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, but the Titans have been much better at home this year. They're five and one at home. The Rams are an impressive seven and one on the road, six and one if you don't count the uh, the England game. Uh, so yeah, it's it's two teams that are uh right there in the playoff hunt. The Rams of course at ten and four are already uh looking at a, a potential first round bye. Still battling uh with the with the Vikings to, to possibly come out on top there and still battling with a couple of other teams uh in the uh in the NFC South as well. So there's a lot still to play for, of course, for the Rams. The Titans are basically trying to hold on and uh, and just make the playoffs, but they can still win that. Uh, no, they can't win that division, can they? Uh, but they can, but they can still make the playoffs as a as a wild card. Um, I think they might have a very small chance of of winning the division too if the Jaguars collapse. But anyway, a uh, lot to play for for them. Uh, but the, that collapse has made the the public totally sour on the Titans. They are seven-point home underdogs to the Los Angeles Rams. Hey, I I get it. The the Titans have not been very impressive at all. They've actually been quite unimpressive. As I said uh, at the beginning of the show, they've been playing worse in the second half of the season and not better, and I don't understand uh, what's going on there. Uh, Seven and four at one point now, eight and six, and and just not looking – uh, impressive at all. Marcus Mariota has at times looked like he needs to just take a step back and, and sort of rearrange everything and, and figure out what he wants to do right now because he at times he looks clueless like he has no idea what to do and I'm sure it's not being helped by his running game not being nearly as dominant as, as everyone was hoping they would be. DeMarco Murray might be done. He might be breaking down before our eyes because he hasn't had very impactful runs in the second half this year at all. Uh, and, and that leaves Derrick Henry, the young guy, as uh, sort of having all the pressure on him. And he's not coming up as big as he could come. He's had some really nice big runs. He, uh, of course, that one to cover the spread a couple weeks ago that he ripped off in the fourth quarter. Very impressive, very awesome. I'm, I'm very grateful for that because uh, if not for that, I would have lost that pick as well. Uh and Jason had that pick as well, but that was my lock of the of the week in that particular game. But uh, but yeah, the the Titans have have got to sort of re, reconnoiter and regroup 
uh, and they get a, a very tough Rams team uh, at home. But um, I, I think Tennessee, the key to this one is they must break the Rams on the ground. As, as so many teams have done this season, the Rams are so great at going upfield and, and trying to get to the quarterback, uh, but sometimes they leave the back door open, so to speak, and they don't cover up and, and, and defend the run the way that they should. Their, their linebackers are good but not great. Uh, they've been giving up 4.7 yards per carry on the season. Uh, it, it's not optimal for a defense getting ready to go into the playoffs to be getting gashed on the ground the way the Rams can get gashed on the ground at times. And so it, to me, it just plays into the Titans' MO. This is what the, this is, this game is set up for the Titans to do what they do best, and that is be physical and sort of run over the Rams and win the game that way. Not too many people can run over the Los Angeles Rams this year, but the Titans are equipped to do it. Can they execute and do it is the question. Uh, I'm going to take the Titans because I think they can. I think uh, they, they so desperately need to rebound. I think they, they're feeling the heat. They're feeling the pressure. The, the football nation is sort of laughing at them as, as bad as they've been playing, especially coming off of that loss at San Francisco last weekend where they, they get the lead. They're able to sort of win the game late, except they forget to, to defend Jimmy Garoppolo and he goes right down the field on them. And it's another crushing loss. It's another loss that leaves them scratching their head. Uh, I think they're feeling it. I think they know that they need to to step it up if they're going to have any chance to make any noise in the playoffs. And I'm going to take them in an upset to to knock off the Rams. You talked about that killer schedule that the Rams have had playing really tough teams. It's such a departure from the schedule that they had the first half of the year. It was very uh, sort of cupcake-ish, a little bit of paper champions going on. And to continue this tough schedule in this spot on the road, uh, I think the uh, the Rams will finally collapse a little bit, and the Titans will take this one. Yeah, we will uh, we will agree and we'll disagree. I, I'm actually going to agree with you on taking the points. I don't agree that the Titans will win. Uh, I think that the Rams are much better equipped. But seven on the road against a, a team with this good of a of a record, even though. I've called it fool's gold several times on this show, and that's what the Titans really feel like. It's still a lot, and they are a talented team, and they do play a lot better at home, and they and they do have the ability to, with the running game, with, with some, some good defense and that sort of not very explosive passing game. So it's going to be a lot of short stuff. Utilize the tight end, you know, and, and then get – like you said, mostly Henry. They they need to get him just as a battering ram against the Rams. I think they will be able to keep this score close and low scoring because this does feel like a tough spot for LA. And that's that's the other spot where I agree with you is that, you know with the stretch of games that they've come off of and it's just it's geez it's slobber knocker slobber knocker every week they're playing what feels like a playoff game, these, these, the caliber of teams that the, the Rams have just come through. And this is another one, but I think this is the one where they can go, ah, we made it through that, guys. So I wouldn't be shocked if this was a, a early Titans lead, maybe even a Titans lead at halftime, and then the Rams sort of have to kind of regroup. They are the better team. I mean, can you believe we're saying this 16 weeks <laughs> in the season? I mean, Three, four months ago, if anybody had told me we'd be 
talking about the Rams and the Titans, and it would be a highlight game, and that the Rams would look like the better team. And one of the best teams in the NFC, we'd just be like, come on, the Rams? I mean, we're still patting ourselves on the back about the Jaguars. Then we got the Rams doing this too. I can't take it. It's too much. It's it's just so crazy what's going on. But I think wide I mean, open, wide open. You've been on that one all year. The NFL this year is wide open because where you think there is strength, you I mean, it's just everywhere. Every there is no team that is perfect. There are there are teams that are solid, but there is no team that's just like the, the obvious. That, yeah, they're the best team. Everybody's got a question mark. And, and big question marks. So it made the playoffs a lot of fun, but it's also made picking games extremely difficult. Um, but this was one where it was pretty easy. I looked at that number and I was like, boy, that just that just feels large. And sometimes you make a pick just based on how how big a number feels, and, and you know things are going to be tight, and you've got two good teams here. Would I be stunned if the Rams went in there and just blew the doors off Tennessee? No, because I don't think Tennessee has really shown a whole lot. But they don't get blown out. That's the one area. I mean, they're, they're going to hang around. These these AFC South teams, they, they like to hang around. Look at the Colts. They're just, just going to kind of hang around. We're, we're going to lose, but we're going to at least give you a little bit of a fight. And I think the Titans are going to have a lot for the Rams. I think the Titans are the more desperate team, but I think the Rams ultimately went out um, just on the talent of that team. And, and, and I don't think that they're going to have a letdown. I don't think that young coach knows what a letdown is yet. No, he's, he's, he's been flying high. It's, nothing is letting Sean McVay down at the moment, but especially come off of what they did last week. Seattle doesn't usually get blown out either, but oi. Um, so yeah, that's the uh, Two picks in a row where you're kind of getting cute there. You're you're really feeling yourself, huh? Well, we'll see. We'll see. Well, we both have the Titans. We we just have different results of the game. But I'll, I'll, if the Titans win, I'll, I'll take that too. All right. The obvious breakdown for our final highlight game is. Seahawks and Cowboys, winner stays alive in the playoff race and loser goes home. Uh, rare that you get these sort of loser takes, uh, or winner take all, loser goes home type games as early as week 16, but here you happen to have it happen because of their, their records, the way things set up in the NFC. They're both 8-6, and six, um, and it's hard to imagine someone uh, making it in at 9-7. and seven. I don't even think that's mathematically possible. So. Uh, Seattle and Dallas at eight and six going at it. Ezekiel Elliott, free Zeke. He's loose again. He's he's back. The litigation is over. The suspension has finally been served. We don't ever have to hear about that again uh, until he pulls some other chick's breast out in the middle of a parade. Uh, but Seattle and Dallas getting it on with Zeke Elliott back in the lineup for the Cowboys. And Seattle coming off of the aforementioned ass whipping that they got at home last week against the Rams. Seattle uh, is four and three on the road this year. Dallas is only three and four at home. We remember some of those less than impressive home losses that they had earlier in the year, including to those very Rams that we were just talking about. But you figured the public would be on the Cowboys 
with Zeke Elliott coming back, and you figured they'd be against the Seahawks after what they did last week. And sure enough, Seattle is not the cop-out line underdog that you might think they would be. They are four-and-a-half-point dog. Seattle gets four-and-a-half at Dallas. Jason, what's your pick? Well, I'll tell you, Seattle is a deserving four-and-a-half-point underdog here. And then also when you put on top of that the fact that Dallas is finally back to full strength. We saw them lose a bunch of pieces. They lost Tyron Smith. They lost Sean Lee. And they lost Ezekiel Elliott to the suspension. And they went through that that, that, that tough stretch. You know, Dak Prescott was playing some awful football. He didn't have his best lineman. He didn't have his, his go-to running back. And the Dallas defense was, you know, missing their, so to speak, best player. I mean, it's, we, we saw this with Pittsburgh when they lost Ryan Shazier. You lose the guy who plugs up the middle of your defense, who, who calls the plays, who runs the thing. It's not going to go as well as you thought. But now Dallas is ready and in going into this game at 100% full strength, as good as full strength as you can be in week 16. I mean, everybody's banged up, but they've got all their pieces back in place, and they still have a shot at the playoffs. So I actually am going to go ahead and I'm going to take the Cowboys. I'm going to give um, the four and a half. And, and what have we? What has become of the Seattle Seahawks? I think that the Cowboys, at full strength, at home, playing desperate, need the win just like Seattle does. But I think that Ezekiel Elliott coming back, those legs are going to be fresh. This isn't like Aaron Rodgers coming back and you've got to read coverages and make precise throws down the field. This is a guy who's been waiting for six weeks, and he's fresh. He is going to run all over. You think Todd Gurley had a game? Wait till Sunday. Well, this is not going to be another lock-off. I do not have uh, the Seahawks as a lock. I'm taking Seattle. That is one prideful organization. That is one prideful team. Uh, they've been acting like a bunch of babies when they've lost lately. They've lost some uh, – high-profile games, and they have not had the most uh, classy of, of reactions to it. But I think you might agree that we we, we both think that they have a, sort of a last sort of kick in them as the dynasty starts to die, and it looks like as early as next year, or I guess this year now, uh, that the Rams are taking over as the team of, of the division of the NFC West. Uh, we, I think we we both think that Seattle's not going to just let that happen, even though they sort of laid down and let it happen last week against the Rams. I think that was sort of a a, a surprise. Like they they really couldn't stop the tide once it opened up. There's nothing they could really do about it. It was just they they just got completely ran over by the Rams. So now they've had a week to recover from that and get laughed at by everybody, and they're going to go into to to Dallas. Uh, I, I just got the feeling that Seattle's going to come for the Cowboys and have a, a, a showing that is more respectful of the point spread than four and a half. Four and a half is not a, a lot of points. The thought of the former world champion, former class of the NFC Seattle Seahawks being underdogs at Jason Garrett's uh, sort of clown show, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, it, it's sort of it's almost laughable to me. Uh, I can see Seattle winning this game I can see Dallas winning this game on a, like a last-second field goal or something like that, but I, what I can't see is the Dallas Cowboys and, and Dak Prescott, as underwhelming as he's been, 
coming out and dominating Russell Wilson and the and the Seahawks after what happened to the Seahawks last week. I think Russell Wilson's got something for the for the Cowboys. I think uh, who's left on the Seattle defense has got something for the Cowboys. I understand you know, Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor aren't there, but Earl Thomas obviously is still around. Uh, Bobby Wagner is going to be there if his body will allow him to, but if not, uh, this is, I guess, maybe more of a hunch pick, but I think I think Seattle's got a, another kick left in them, uh, and I think they're going to have a, a little more for the Cowboys than most people think they will. They need to. I mean, if this is the way that they're going to go out, if the Legion of Boom is the is the Legion of Room, and and you're just going to see this team getting completely punked by you know these these sort of up and coming teams, just I don't know how you bounce back from what the Rams did to them last week. And Seattle's been easily had quite a few times this year, and even in their wins, it's been a struggle. And I don't know if it's just the wheels are coming off and it's just all happening right before our eyes. But I do think that, you know, Dallas went through Dallas. People knocked on Dak Prescott and he had that tough stretch and he deserved the criticism. But they bounced back those last few games without Ezekiel Elliott. He got his, he got Tyron Smith back. That line got a little more solid. The running game started to pick up a little. And I think it's just, everything's sort of coming together here for Dallas. So interesting, interesting game this week. Uh, I'll say this. If, uh, they know that Zeke Elliott is back. They know that Zeke is, is coming for them and they're waiting for him. If Zeke Elliott does come back and, and runs all over them, that will be the death knell of the Seahawks. If that does happen, they really can uh, put a bow on that franchise and that dynasty because it really will be finished. And now the rest of week 15 in the NFL in even more or less detail with 13 games left to break down. And sort of an interesting schedule as far as the days and the times that these games are being played. We'll start with a doubleheader on Saturday. Uh, in the afternoon, it will be the Indianapolis Colts and the Baltimore Ravens. We briefly mentioned the Colts uh, earlier about teams that sort of keep fighting and, and keep staying alive even though they're getting beat. So Indianapolis and that 3-11 and record will get 13.5 points as they try to stay relevant and stay alive against the 8-6 and Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, and, and Baltimore at 8-6 and is still is still alive, you know, because I mean, I, who would have thought? Who would have thought? But there they are. You got them at 8-6. and six. You got Buffaloes right there. You got Tennessee. You got, you got teams. We've been paying more attention to this final wild card spot in the NFC. There's some compelling stuff going on in, in the AFC as well. I still, and this is just going to keep killing me because I mean, the only win you got over me last week was me taking Cleveland to cover the number against Baltimore, and they couldn't do it. <laughs> and that was only at, at seven. I, this 13 and a half, that's just too much. That is way too much. Maybe I'm just taking a lot of dogs this week, and I'm gonna just I'm going to die with the dogs, but that's too many points for me. I think Indy can at least stay within 13. I mean, you think about it. I mean, 24-13, cover. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if we ended up with something in that territory. Indy's bad, but I don't know if they're, they're going to get blown out by two touchdowns by Baltimore. So I'll take the Colts and all the points. 
as you know, I try to sort of break down each game and then come up with my own final score. Uh, and we don't discuss these things at all, and you have no way of looking at by sheet or whatever. The score I picked for this game, the final score, I swear to God, I shit you not, was the Ravens over the Colts 24-13. to 13. <laughs> So I'm obviously with you. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah, uh, Baltimore must lose their next two to get to eight and eight. And wouldn't that be so Ravens if they were able, if they were able to do that? So I, I'm not saying they're going to lose this game. I'm just saying they got they got some work to do to get to that normal eight and eight that they normally get to. And uh, uh, losing to the Colts will go a long way towards doing that. On Saturday night, the Vikings and the Packers play in the game that I'm sure the networks thought was going to be a lot more interesting and a lot more important before the season began. But things happen and injuries happen. Hell, the Vikings know that injuries happen and the Packers know that injuries happen because the last time these two teams got together in week six, the injury happened. Uh, Minnesota won 23-10 and, and Anthony Barr knocked uh, Aaron Rodgers out of the game and broke his collarbone. And, and here is the rematch and Aaron Rodgers will not be there to get his revenge because as we said earlier, he went right back on IR after the Packers lost to the Panthers last week. So Brett Hundley, once again, uh, under center for the Packers, and therefore, no surprise, they are nine-point home underdogs against the Vikings. Yeah, it's a big number, but I am not actually going to take the the points on this one. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give the points with the Vikings. I think that they are having a, a, a fairly charmed season. I think they had that little hiccup there. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they lost that game to Carolina. This isn't a, this isn't Carolina's defense, uh, which is much better than Green Bay's. Green Bay is just just pushed. Uh, you want to talk about a team that just gets pushed around on both sides of the ball. We saw it with Cleveland, and we saw it last week with Carolina. The, the, the Packers were not giving up much resistance. The offensive line is still trash. Brett Hundley is going to go right back. You, Welcome back, Brett. You get to run for your life again against the, you know, one of the best defenses in football, maybe the best team in the NFC. Um, and I think Minnesota is looking to try to salt things away here, trying to get for home field. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give all the points and uh, and take the Vikings. Sometimes it is as easy as just taking the rematch and the result that happened last time and going with it again. And of course, last time Brett Humley had to come in uh, in relief of Aaron Rodgers and looked so scared and looked so unprepared uh, in running for his life, and the Vikings had their way with them. Um, despite the experience that Hundley has gained since then, I'm going to agree with you and say that the Vikings pretty much have their way with him once again. Uh, no let-up from the Vikings. As you already said, they can possibly get home field all the way through the Super Bowl. That's still in play for them if uh, – if Nick Foles fails for Philadelphia if he falls and the Eagles uh, find a way to collapse the next two games and the Eagles can, or the Vikings can win the next two games, they can actually clinch home field all the way through the Super Bowl. So they're going to be coming for the, the Packers once again, and they're going to have their way with, with Brett Hundley. And as you said, that Packers defense has just been terrible. And the Super Bowl's in uh, Minnesota. They can clinch home field all the way through the Super Bowl. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Never happened before. No, uh, every the, year it's 
you think it might happen every once in a while, and it, it never does quite pan out. But if there was a year that it felt like it could happen, it might be it might be this year. Wide open, anything is possible. Speaking of anything is possible, the Browns and the Bears, the uh, 0-14 Cleveland Browns, still looking for that first win. Uh, Chicago at 4-10 and is nothing uh, nothing impressive at all. They're looking at two coaches that look like they're definitely getting fired once the season ends, the, the minute the season's over. Uh, but the Browns have looked so bad that they are six-and-a-half-point underdogs at Mitch Trubisky and the Bears. Yeah, and call me crazy. Uh, I'm actually going to take the Bears and, and give the points. I think I think I'm just done with Cleveland. It took till week 16, but I think I've, I finally just I've seen enough. I've had it. I've had it with the Browns. I'll take the Bears. I'll take Trubisky. I'll take Howard. I'll take Cohen. I'll take somewhat of a competent defense here. I, I figured Deshaun Kaiser, he's probably good for a pick six or two in this game. Uh, it should be enough to swing things the Bears' way. I think the Bears win this one. I mean, if I had to pick a score, it'd be like an ugly score, you know, like sixteen to three. Ugly. That, that would be very ugly. I'm going back now to see the last time that we were both off of uh, of Cleveland. One of us has had the Brown fever for for most of the season. Uh, but uh, this one, neither one of us has the Brown beer. I'm also taking Chicago. Um, unfortunately, we both were off of Cleveland in week 12 uh, against Cincinnati. And, uh, oh, no, we were both on Cleveland. I'm sorry, I, I read that wrong. We both were picking Cleveland, and we lost because Cincinnati uh, beat them by two touchdowns. Um, yes. so, yeah, we, one, one or both of us has been on Cleveland Pretty much every game this year, I'm going all the way. I'm all the way up to week eight, and I still have not. Oh, in 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 London, England, Minnesota was ten point favorites, and they dominated and won thirty three to sixteen. So we were both off of Cleveland then, and we were correct. But since week eight, one of us or both of us has has had the Brown fever, and it it hasn't been good. It has not worked out. So now we're both off of them. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I was I surprised myself by taking Chicago and giving six and a half because Chicago hasn't done anything to warrant being six and a half point favorites over every, over anybody. But the Browns are just so bad. They're so bad at football, and they're, they're bad at they're bad at everything. They were good at like I said, they were good at run defense, and now they're they're getting bad at that too. They're just they're just bad. That, that is such a sad franchise. It really is. Uh, speaking of sad franchises, uh, the New York Jets and Bryce Petty are, are at home, and they're hosting Phillip Rivers and the San Diego Clippers, and the Clippers at 7-7, seven and seven, uh, they're basically out of it. They had their shot at the uh, AFC West, uh, and, and they got beat by the Chiefs last Saturday night, so now the Chiefs will clinch the division with a win, and there's basically no way the Chargers can get a wild card in the AFC, so... Uh, they're, they're still playing out the stream. They are seven-point favorites on the road at the 5-9 and nine New York Jets. Yeah, and the, and the Jets actually got a cover last week against the Saints, which I just – I couldn't believe it. Um, and that was a bit – we well, were really excited about the prospect, I think, of, of having the Chargers to take out the Chiefs and sort of end that for us so we didn't have to see that because we know how it was going to end. 
going into the playoffs, at least the Chargers would be coming in as a bit of an unknown. Phillip Rivers, you know, sort of that just doesn't want to go away, that last hurrah. I think last week was their last hurrah. I'm going to take the Jets and all the points. Uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't do it. I couldn't make myself take Bryce Petty and the Jets. Bryce Petty looks like one of the worst quarterbacks in all of football, maybe the worst, and there's, there's no redeeming value there that I could see. So I'm actually going to take the, the Clippers and give the seven points. I, I don't feel great about that one, but uh, you would think that they would have some fight left after that heartbreaking loss versus Kansas City. Not a lot. But some, if you're facing Bryce Petty, you find a way to have some fight. It's how I think that's going to work out. Detroit and Cincinnati, uh, another team that doesn't seem to have much fight. The Bengals at five and nine. Detroit at eight and six, definitely in the mix for a playoff spot still. Uh, they give three and a hook. Detroit minus three and a half at Cincinnati. Hey, quick question for you: Are the Bengals over five hundred? That would be no. I'll take the Lions. See? Picking games can be easy, folks. (laughs) As long as you have your own personal algorithms, you can figure out exactly what you want to do. Um, I I don't have any... I don't have much to talk about because the, the Lions are pretty nondescript. They are the Lions. The Bengals are the Bengals. They are terrible. Um, all I'll say, I'll, I'll say this, that three and a half seems really small for a, a team that's coach is already rumored to be one and a half feet out the door. Uh, there, there's no reason to think Cincinnati's going to contend and hang around with the Lions in this game. So I'll, I'll just say this, uh, Detroit minus three and a half. I'll lock that one up. And then I'll say that you had, uh, you were pressed into texting and tweeting about, the prospect of Marvin Lewis getting kicked upstairs for his, his service for the Bengals. So I'll give you the floor here. Insert your Marvin Lewis rant here. It's ridiculous. I, I mean, okay, first of all, it was only the one source that I saw. But I haven't seen anything else otherwise that said that, but I didn't see anything. It wasn't from a, a, a person on Twitter or anything where I would did disbelieve it. It was a reliable person who said this that the plan might be to move Marvin Lewis, the man who completely lost control of an entire franchise multiple times in the most sickening ways. I mean, you had, you had the whole you had the whole law and order crime and punishment thing going on with the Bengals for under his tenure. You had all the meltdowns and dirty plays. and then, then the, Oh, my God. That whole debacle against Pittsburgh in the playoffs, the game that truly left us both feeling ill, and wondering why we watched football, and Marvin Lewis didn't immediately get fired after that, and then you're telling me that this guy's worthy of a, of a front office position somewhere? It's just this just, the whole thing just stinks. Marvin Lewis should be washing cars, <laughs> and now with Marvin Harrison, uh, I, I concur. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I agree with everything you said, and I have nothing more to add. Uh, Buffalo and New England will – Oh, good. The the Bills and the Patriots will have a a rematch of their division battle in week 13, in which New England uh, went up to Buffalo and beat them by 20 and knocked Tyrod Taylor out of the game and and got a little bit of Nathan Peterman there as well. So they combined the fail at that one. 
Uh, now at New England, Buffalo is eight and six. Uh, they're still so trying to survive and play for a playoff spot. Uh, they get eleven points at the eleven and three Patriots. So the the poor guy who was laying on the ground after he made a pick of Tom Brady, and then Robbie Gronkowski jumped on him and tried to you know bust his spine. Said, "Oh, no <laughs> hard feelings." No hard feelings. It's it's water under the bridge. It was just heat of the moment stuff. I don't want to be Rob Gronkowski going into this game because the Bills are saying all the right things. That that man's going to get high-low blocks like you have never seen. Someone's going to roll into him. Something's going to happen. He goes over the middle. Yeah. I don't know if the Bills are going to just be so preoccupied with trying to take it out on Gronk that they kind of let the game slip away. But it does feel like a lot of points against the Patriots team that just has not been that impressive. And they, 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 and they they're, they're the least impressive team that seems to cover all the time, which I know has been completely mystifying you, Patriots, oh my God. Cover, cover after cover. But you watch the game, and you're like, how? How are they covering? They, they don't look good. Buffalo plays defense. I mean, the defense isn't as good now as it was early in the year, but Tom Brady, he's been throwing a lot of picks. He's got no oomph on the ball down the field at all. It's like he is rapidly aging right before our eyes. I don't know if he's going to go like the Peyton Manning way, where Peyton Manning looks like he's in a brick wall and stopped, wasn't able to throw the football at all anymore. But Buffalo's got a surprising amount of fight. I'm stunned this team is 8-6. and six. Wasn't this the team that was supposed to quit before the season started? I'll take the Bills and the yeah. points. And I'll also take the over on Rob Gronkowski knee injuries at of, of the one half. <laughs> the over-under is a half for Rob Gronkowski's knees getting blown out. I'll take the over on that. Yeah, there's that. Uh, there's, as you said, Buffalo still in the wild card hunt despite uh, trading away their top receiver before the season began. Uh, and there's also a New England letdown after all the madness in Pittsburgh. I know they looking forward to that game and up for that game and, and that performance that they turned in for the first three and a half quarters, they, that, that, that left me less than impressed. Um, and so I think maybe uh, to escape with that win, I'm sure they were feeling good about it, but I don't know if they're going to be up for this one. I think they don't, I don't think they respect the bills very much. So I will agree with you and take the, uh, the 11 points. That is a lot of points. The Broncos and the Redskins. Uh, I think both of these teams are eliminated mathematically. Uh, yeah. so we don't have to talk about them at all. Uh, the Denver at five and nine is the cop out line three point dog at the six and eight Redskins. I have the Redskins. That's all you need to know. I have the Broncos. That's all oh. you need to know. All right. Moving on Rock. to Miami and. Miami and Kansas City, uh, the Dolphins at 6-8 and eight are out of it. Uh, Kansas City at 8-6. and six. Uh, The record may be less than impressive, but because the division is even more less than impressive, Kansas City can clinch the AFC West with a victory uh, in this game. And as such, they are a huge favorite, as they should be. Ten-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Dolphins. It seems like a lot for a team that went on a losing streak that was so bad that they almost pissed away a six and one lead, uh, you know, record and, and that lead that they had or that stranglehold that they had. And they, this team, this division should have been over a month ago. I'll take the points, thank you. Okay, uh, I 
was impressed by the the rise up by the Chiefs against the Clippers last Saturday night. Uh, they showed me a little more heart than I thought they had, and I I hope they don't let them now on the fish uh, as they come in because the fish are are dead in the water. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs, give the ten and a half, and hope that they sort of figured out what they need to do uh, going forward because I actually want to see them play their best in the playoffs. I know they're not going to win the AFC. They never do. This is what they do. They they get close and they tantalize and they come up short. I understand that. And I, I certainly don't want a repeat of, of going to Indianapolis and being up by 7 trillion points and finding a way to lose the game anyway. But I do want the Chiefs to play their best because I think when they're at their best, they are very, very uh, entertaining. And I, I want to see them rebound and, and play the way they can play. So I'm going to trust in Andy Reid and give the 10 and a half. San Francisco hosts Jacksonville. Okay, here we go. This is the next step in the Messiah Garoppolo uh, ascension. Uh, Guys, it's too late to order you that shirt for Christmas uh, because there's only four days left. (laughs) I I could express ship it to you, but uh, and uh, did I tweet it to you or did I text it to you? I think I tweeted it at you that there's a uh, yeah uh, what. What did the shirt say? Was it uh, Goatopolo? Goatopolo, yeah. Yeah, greatest of all time after three games. There you go. Uh, So here's the next step in it. It's uh, the the 10-4 Jaguars who are beating the hell out of everybody. Uh, Jacksonville only, uh, again, last week seemed ridiculous as San Fran was favored over Tennessee. This is maybe a little ridiculous. Jacksonville, as great as they've been, only gives four points on the road at the 4-10 49ers. This is what you call a value pick, my friend. I'm taking <laughs> Jaguar. This was almost this was almost my lock of the week. As, as much as I've been giving you all the hyperbole about Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm not stupid. I'm not <laughs> taking them over the Jacksonville Jags. This is by far and away going to be his biggest test that Jacksonville defense will just completely overpower that San Francisco team, which is going to get better. You know, this whole thing with Garoppolo, I do believe in it. Not picking again, not picking him every week is 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 that would be madness if I just said, "Well, I'm just going to pick him for the rest of his career." I'm going to take the Jaguars uh, squash. Well, this is the uh, next up in the. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo choose your own adventure series. Now he gets Saxonville after uh, climbing the the mountain the three times before that. Now it's it gets a little harder with with Jacksonville. But you know what? I'm gonna find a way to end that shit right now. I'm getting on the Jimmy Garoppolo bandwagon, and I'm taking the 49ers. Yeah. So you know That's, what that you're means. Taking them with you. Because here it is. This is how it goes. You and I were riding on the wagon, and then I, I give you the reins, and then I jump off. And then you go right mm-hmm. over the cliff. I love it. It's the perfect that's setup. That's how it works. That's when you, you just knew I was taking San Francisco, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you called it the the, almost your lock. And they're on the stage coach right now, like, all right, I got this thing. Like, hey, here, hold the reins for me for a minute there. Would you try? I got to go do something. Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay, boss. I got it. <laughs> You're doomed. Uh, Jacksonville. Jacksonville's gonna win thirty-eight to ten. <laughs> and probably injure Garoppolo, like blow his ACL out. He won't play at all next year. 
I do have a knack for getting off right at the right point. Yes, you do. Moving on to the Buccaneers and the Panthers, Tampa at four and ten, and of course completely out of it are ten point underdogs at the ten and four Carolina Panthers. I was so enthralled with myself. Which one? Which one is this? <laughs> Tampa and Carolina. Tampa. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I had to look up and down my list. My eyes are like getting watery. It's getting so late. Um, for you know, for the sake of time here, I will say that I am taking the points. I think Tampa's offense has been okay, even though they've been losing. So I think they're good enough to hang in there. And I still am not that impressed with Carolina. I'll take the Bucks and the points. Well, I was impressed with Carolina, especially uh, their win last week. Uh, they they played an ugly game in Week Eight, beating Tampa down in Tampa, seventeen to three. Um, but I was impressed with, with what the Panthers looked like last year. They looked unstoppable on offense and on defense, and that's why I'm taking Tampa along with you because when Carolina looks unstoppable, that's usually when they lose their track and, and completely forget how to play football. So uh, I'll agree with you and, and take Tampa. Let's see what you did there. Uh, uh-huh. Giants in Arizona. Ugh. Uh, the 2-12 and Giants, only three-and-a-half-point dogs at the 6-8 and eight Cardinals. Uh, you know what? The Giants showed some. Maybe Eli Manning, you know, do it again. And like I told you last week or the week before, I'm done with Arizona. Therefore, I'll take the Giants and the points. How about the most insignificant quarterback change in the history of mankind? As Arizona benches Blake or uh, Blaine Gabbert and goes yep. back to Drew Stanton. I don't really know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like you're you're not getting you're not getting a look at the younger great. Quarterback prospect, it's Drew Stan. What what are you doing? What's the point? I don't know. Uh, but, that, but since they're the same guy anyway, I'll take Arizona and give it a three and a half because it really doesn't matter. Oh, okay. The Monday night schedule, or uh, the Monday schedule, Monday being Christmas Day, uh, the NFL's got some Monday afternoon action for you. Very rare. Uh, the Steelers and the Texans Monday at 4:30 Eastern. I think it's 4:30 Eastern. Uh, Pittsburgh at 11 and three, coming off that heartbreaking loss. Uh, they are nine point favorites on the road at the four and ten Houston Texans. The Steelers are going to have to show some intestinal fortitude here if they're going to cover this number. Well, but wait a minute. It's the Steelers. They don't cover any number. I'm taking Houston in the points. They don't cover any number, and they always play down to their level, to their competition. So they were hyped up and playing some excellent football against the Patriots, and they're not going to give a rat's ass about the Texans on Christmas Day. So uh, in an ugly, ugly spectacle of football, I will agree with you and take the nine points. Then Monday night, there is still a Monday night game after that, is uh, the Oakland Raiders and the Philadelphia Eagles. How ironic or coincidental I guess it would be that the Steelers and the Raiders are going to both play on Monday after the uh, soul-crushing heartbreaking losses that they both experienced uh, over the weekend but uh, the Raiders at six and eight are nine point uh, there's that number again nine nine point dogs at the 12 and two Nick Foles led Philadelphia Eagles yeah I didn't know if the, if Nick Foles was going to be able to overcome that big number last week against the Giants, and they weren't in the tough divisional matchup. This isn't tough, and this isn't divisional. This is the Oakland Raiders' defense. I think the, the Eagles are just going to be able to show up. They're going to be able to D up Oakland, and they're going to be able to run all – they're going to do whatever they want. I'll take the Eagles' squish. 
I would probably have thought that, except for I'm, I'm getting a little influenced by that. Uh, uh, what the hell got into the Eagles' defense against Eli? That 424 yards for Eli Manning throwing to who? For who? For what? Um, so I, I don't know why, but I'm going to take the Raiders to, to cover the nine points. I, I, maybe there's, uh, I don't know, some Steeler fever in the air. You got both Pennsylvania teams uh, on Monday, and maybe they'll get a little rub off from the from the Steelers uh, choking it up last week against the Patriots and, and choking it up against the Texans. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I still have trouble trusting Nick Foles and, and the Eagles long term. I know they had a nice performance uh, offensively on uh, Sunday against the Giants, but that defense, I did not expect that. So uh, I, I, until they showed uh, I'm going to sort of look at them with a raised eyebrow, and I will go ahead and take the Raiders to cover that number. More on our after show when we come back. And now into the VIP after show program. Wow, I... I can't believe I was able to run the board from the phone. I hadn't never tried it before, but it, it all worked out. So we did it. We we got to uh, the two hour live show, and and as you said, we got the last few picks in in the last five minutes. Of course, and, and for future reference, you know, and if there's ever a pinch or we need to know if one of us can do the show, we can truly do the show mobile. Yep, let's pull it up on the phone. How about that? that? How about that? Miracle of my <laughs> miracle of modern technology, I'll tell you that. I, I just I could I, I just sensed the dirt. I, I pissed all over your, your your Wheaties and your Cheerios there when I took when I took Jacksonville. Yeah, well, I, I definitely thought you were all over San Fran the rest of the way. I thought you were going to let it ride, but you're, you're off the you're off the bandwagon, and I, and I know what's going to happen. <laughs> I also know what's going to happen that we because we both have the Bears. We don't ever uh, when we both take Chicago's and, and now against Cleveland. We we we're going to give Cleveland their first win of the season. We we just sealed that right there. We just doomed the Bears. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Because this isn't like a good Bears team. But I don't know how much you had for tonight. But it's been a long day. Oh no, I, I don't have to hang around at all uh, either. No, there's okay. Definitely been a long day for me as well. Two-hour live show. Think, I'm sure we up. You got you're on the road tomorrow, right? And happy birthday! It is now your birthday. <laughs> it's a, it's officially my birthday. Yes, I'm officially uh, an older an elder statesman, an elder statesman. And now for the next two weeks, I can officially tell you: you need to respect your elders, young man, because you are my junior. So you need to respect. Your older people, the, the peers that are above you. Hey, you, you, you always got, you always got that that two week advantage. You can, you never, they'll never go away. That's right. Respect. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, we're in the air tomorrow evening, uh, headed to Chicago. And before we do that, we have to get the cable guy out here to fix our. Internet and cables that they can that can be taken care of before we leave town for a week. So I, I don't quite know uh, how much good that's going to do, but I, I guess it's better to have it fixed than to come back and still have it down and be waiting for them at that point. So it, it's just, it's yeah. better than the, the knowing that that it that it won't work. So 
Um, for next week, I, I am completely okay with doing one big show next week. And just that gets us in the playoff mode. I really don't know if we need to do um, two shows next week. We kind of get into, you know, plus we're doing the week 17 picks. So, ugh. So, yeah, are you uh, better Friday or Saturday for that? Uh, are there – there are no Saturday games next week. Nope, it's all Sunday. And it's all – yeah, so it's all, but it's all going to – it's all going to kind of lead into – it's all going to kind of lead into that week 17. So, I'm I'm thinking that's the 30th, right? Am I thinking right? That's the 30th. I don't know. That's New Year's weekend. Makes I, they yeah, Friday will be the thirtieth. So, oh yeah, New Year's Eve will be Saturday night. So yeah, you're probably not uh, available for that. Um, well, that, no, New Year's Eve is Sunday. Oh, oh yeah, well, I'm looking at the twenty second, thinking this is Thursday night. It's it's Friday morning now, technically. <laughs> oh boy. So yeah. Again, so let's do Friday. Yeah. Okay. You. Uh, you need ten o'clock for that. Yeah. Okay. Yep, that got, that works for that. me. I will. I will. Got a nice four day weekend. I'll make myself available. Then we'll be. We'll, we'll do something. Uh, we'll do the picks and get into week seventeen. Then we're in the playoffs. That's right. It's, it's already here. It's been a long time coming, but we we've made it that far. Playoffs. What a, what a season! What a crazy. What a crazy season it's been, man! I, and I, it's still why don't I don't know? Do you have any clue who you're who you're even leaning towards to to make it to the Super Bowl at this point? Because I have no idea. I know I've been saying for a few weeks. I I really do like Minnesota in the NFC. They are the safest bet right now. The AFC the AFC is so wide open. Um, you could. I don't know if I like anybody at the bottom of the AFC. I don't know if I'm in, I'm completely in love with the Chiefs, you know, the Bills, the Titans, any of those bottom feeder playoff caliber teams. But the top of that division between Patriots, the Steelers, and I hate to say the Jaguars is, is very interesting. I think the Jaguars are going to be wrecking some people if they keep playing this level of defense. And if Blake Bortles keeps playing, I saw the stat today, over the last three weeks, he's been the best quarterback in football. Um, by what Blake metric? Bortles. Uh, I, I'd love to see the metric on Blake Bortles being the best quarterback in football over any stretch. Yeah. Three week stretch. I don't know if it's quarterback rating or what it is. A QBR. I don't know what they're using, but yeah, today on today on MCU, so you know, over the last three games, Blake Bortles has been the highest rated. Well, I guess that would be quarterback rating. Quarterback in football, like one twenty six, some ridiculous number over the last three games. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, he's certainly playing better than I thought he ever was was capable of playing and throwing to. I don't know who the hell those guys were he was throwing to on on Sunday this past Sunday. Guys, but, uh, guys, just guys. Only guys. guys. Uh, yeah, uh, if you uh, for anyone who wants to put 
all their money on him and think that he can keep that up in the playoffs. Good luck to you. But to my point of it being so wide open, uh, you trust the Vikings first more than anyone at this point. So you're saying that the, the steadiest team is the one with Case Keenum as its quarterback. So what the hell? What are we talking about? What are, what are we doing? Here? That's, that's correct. <laughs> the team, the team I, that I, lost its running back looks like the best team in the NFC as far as I'm concerned right now. And I can't, I can't dispute it at the moment because it's not like I'm going to come back with any better answer than that. So what, what, what am I, what am I doing? I don't know. Yeah, wide open. It's, but I, I kind of like it. I, I kind of like the, the lack of predictability. It's not the same old uh, teams that are dominating at the top, and you're just hoping that they can make it through the playoffs and and give you the compelling matchup in the Super Bowl that you're looking for, which we we've gotten that. Uh, the last few years, we've gotten the best team in the NFC and the best team in the AFC, and, and it's been great. Uh, but this is this is different. This is something different. We could have something completely unforeseen, two teams that nobody saw coming at the beginning of the year, make it all the way through. And that would be yeah. different, and, and I'd, I'd be interested in seeing it. I, I think it'd, it'd be good. It'd be good to have some, some fresh meat at the top there. Yeah, we could have, we could have a Rams-Jaguars Super Bowl. We could. It could happen. Absolutely. It could happen. Now you want to see you want to see a Super Bowl that you and I as football fans would love. Vikings Jaguars. The like the Thunderdome of Super Bowls. That would be very very physical. That's for sure. And any game, any Super Bowl, if the Vikings make it and become the first home team to host it, it's going to be electric. It's going to be absolutely crazy. So uh, I, I'm kind of rooting for that to happen just to see that spectacle. Can you imagine what that stadium is going to sound like if the home team Vikings are, are running out on the field for, for Super Bowl 52? It would it would be historic, but you would think that it, People might be surprised. Wow, it took 52 Super Bowls for that to happen? You know, that might be even more interesting is the fact that it just has never happened, even though every year it doesn't happen. The odds just keep getting better, don't they? Like, eventually you're going to have a team that's hosting the Super Bowl since they rode. They don't play on a neutral site. They they roam through teams that are in the league because that's part of the stadium deals and all the coaxing these teams to, to get these billion dollar stadiums hey you might you might get a super bowl well here are the vikings with as good a shot as any team as i've ever seen they have the super bowl in their house yep and as you were pointing out it's more and more likely because of so many teams building stadiums that are hosting super bowls that they have the opportunity because you would never think of a super bowl being in minnesota as early as 10 years ago because it's minnesota but you get the new stadium and, and you get the promise of, of the Super Bowl there when you build that new stadium. They had the Super Bowl in New York was a couple of years ago, and they're, they're playing with fire there because that's not a dome. So one of these times they're going to put a Super Bowl in New York and it's going to be, you know, 15 degrees and, and icy and snowing. And it's going to be uh, not very fun football to watch. But uh, but that's what happens when you build a new stadium. You get that opportunity. So, yeah, it, it would seem like it's going to happen one of these days as many different new stadiums as many different teams get that opportunity. Yeah, I can't, I, I don't mind. Like you said, the spectacle, 
you know, the Vikings sort of a snake bit franchise to begin with. The, you know, they went to a bunch of Super Bowls, you know, lost a bunch of Super Bowls back in the 70s, back in the Fran Tarkenton days. And ever since then, they've sort of been that sort of jinxed team. You know, they blew it in 98. Um, the big lead against Atlanta, they blew that. Uh, you had Brett Favre. So this isn't Detroit game with Brett Favre, you know, <laughs> throwing the, against the Saints. I, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I know I'm in Packer country, but with the Packers not in it, it's not like I'm rooting for any one team. But if we're going to play a narrative and a storyline, getting a team in to host the Super Bowl in their own building, that's pretty cool. Yeah, sounds cool to me. So, and I, that's and, all I got. And, and I like the franchise too. The you know the Vikings are uh, easy to root for. It's not like it was a bunch of bad guys on that team. So, no, yeah, been partying um, on Lake Minnetonka. Not that we know of. If they have, they've been keeping it under wraps. Uh, so. Since we'll be on the air after uh, Christmas, our next show, happy holidays, Merry Christmas to you and your family and your kids. And uh, uh, what uh, what are the little ones getting this year? Oh, let's see. Well, my son my son asked for uh, Star Wars toys. He, my son's really big into okay. Star Wars. So look, really big into Star Wars. He's getting a lot of Star Wars toys. My daughter kept it pretty simple, one of art supplies this year. Huh. Um, okay. He's a little, he's a little artist. Nothing makes her happier than glue and tape and scissors, and, and just she'll go crazy. She'll sit in her room and sit at her little desk and just draw things and make things. So she's she's a little artist. So she wanted art supplies. She's always running out of these, running out of you. You buy her a pad of paper, and she'll draw something on every page until that thing is gone, and it's usually gone in about an hour. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's very cool. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have a good we'll have a good Christmas recap. Nice big show next week. I'm sure we'll all have I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about. Me and uh, hanging out with my family in Chicago, and that'll be fun for the next few days. And then we'll be back on the air Friday night. That will be the 29th. I'm, I'm getting my dates right. I'm waking up again. Uh, yeah. Friday the 29th at uh, 10 p.m. Central, 11 p.m. Eastern for our Week 17 preview, and you'll have the, the, the privileges of flipping the coin for those games. Well, I will have the I will have the coin. I'll have to, 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 to grab one out of the bucket and see what I grab, and that will make it official, and I'll, I'll flip it in the quiet comfort of my basement on the carpet here. So we won't have to hear the coin hit the floor and roll around and then, you know, curse it yourself. Cause it rolled under the desk. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was kind of my move, wasn't it? Or under the bed yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he is Jay. I am Dre. This has been a very long episode of in much less detail, the podcast. Thank you. Crazy people for listening. Ready to go back to Skinner, Jason? Yeah, that's right. And uh, happy birthday, our old man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Let's go back to Skinner as we sign off for the evening. Merry Christmas, everybody. Right. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bells swing and jingle.
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. $15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.